Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Double drill deep to left field. Going back choice, looking up. See ya. 3,000 history with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! We are live. Tommy Caricelli alongside Real 7 Costanza and uh, 7. I am in, <laughs> I'm in the thick of it right now. Okay. I'm, bro- I'm, I'm coming, just, just to let the fans know what I do for Gap to Gap. I'm currently 13 hours into my workday. I'm taking a break for the for the pod. I am sitting in an inflatable circle recliner that kind of looks like a lime that was cut open. Um, <laughs> I'm plugged into a wall next to a men's room with my laptop, my <laughs> iPad. I'm going off of a hotspot on my on my cell phone, and I'm holding my mic in hand. So I guarantee we're gonna probably have some friendly visitors throughout the pod, but all anything for gap to gap absolute company man right here (laughs) holding the the mic in hand like bob barker exactly next to a men's bathroom nonetheless at a hotel so that is dedication everyone yeah so um you know what any like you said company man anything for the breakdown um you know who's not a company man who's that uh mets gm brody (laughs) van how do you say his last name wanganen van wagenen van wagenen i think van wagenen um but so so let's just transition into this new new segment new uh recurring thing that we've kind of poked fun at all years and we're finally titling it we're just calling it meet the mets so this week's meet the mets uh brody van wangenen however you say it has quote given up on this season (laughs) (laughs) you can't make this shit up dude it's and full disclaimer to your point, this isn't something that we're maliciously doing. I just we I feel like we have to keep making this clear. It's just every week we can count on the Mets. So we decided that we're just gonna do a segment now, meet the Mets, because I feel like there's enough tabloids every week. By the time we record, there's a new story out, and this one might be the most deflating of all of them. I mean, you see GMs all the time. You know, come in and and say this stuff. You know, like come get us. This is our year. Uh, we're gonna build a winner this year. You see GMs say this stuff all the time, and they get called out on it. But nobody says they give up at the All Star break. Well, that's that's the thing. So, and you're right. We always hear coach speak. I guess is the right way yeah. to put it. Um, you know, everyone has high hopes going into the season. The Mets, I think, for the first time in a while I actually felt like they had something brewing here. Uh, Van Wagen, and of course has no background in front office, uh, has no background in baseball aside from being an agent for Jacob deGrom and a few other players. So the hiring in, in itself is always kind of a head scratcher, but you know, don't ever second guess the Wilpons because we can <laughs> count on them to make some uh, amazing moves. Right. But 
I don't know, Van Wagenen, uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of weird um, going from the big coach speech, let's get these guys ready to go, this is our year, no one's going to beat us, to halfway through the season, eh, I give up. (laughs) I I love this quote uh, from the article, and it says, the Mets came into the season with the come and get, or Van Wagenen uh, said, come and get us, and as he put it, they came and got us. Yep, they came and got us. Yes, they (laughs) did. Yes. They did. It's and it's you can tell he's he's new to this too because I can't imagine any other GM like can you imagine Brian Cashman across oh my the stage like even if the or even Theo. when the yeah or Theo or any of these revered front office figures or anyone in that situation even if your team's having a bad year after you try to inject some type of a any form I'm not gonna say winning formula because clearly they're not winning but any type of just ignite any type of feeling into this team even though you're going so poorly isn't it your job as you know the front lines to just kind of come out and say hey i see progress just make some shit up instead of you know yeah make some shit up we have pete alonzo the end Uh. yeah we have we've seen progress from some of our players and some of the other players need to pick it up like just anything other than uh we've kind of given up on this season (laughs) that's unbelievable like, not even quote, no glass half full. Quote in the second half of the year, I think we have low expectations for what we can be. Not <laughs> like like you said that coach beat. Not you know we're gonna we're gonna ride this year out and we're gonna try and take positives. No, we have low expectations. <laughs> we're probably gonna be a bottom feeder. Uh, but hey, I mean, you got the home run derby champ. Yeah. Congrats to uh, Pete Alonzo. The biggest win of the year for the Mets, arguably. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my God. This whole team. And, and we, we're we quick to point the blame to Mickey Calloway, and, and deservedly so, because it's not like he's doing anything. He's not reinventing the wheel. He's kind of given up, too, in a sense. But at least Calloway still seems to be saying somewhat the right, not the right things, but he's still somewhat engaged. Get out, for, motherfucker. Yeah, uh, you know, he's <laughs> Those standing right up for things. his guys. Yeah, he's ready to stand up for his guys at least. And Yeah, um, I, I couldn't. I agree with you there, though. I agree with you there. Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. It's Brody Van Wagenen sounds like his wife just left him and took everything <laughs> he had, and he's just unsure if he's ready to jump back out into the world. Yeah, and and then he looks up and goes, fuck, we got the, yep. we're the fucking Mets. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fuck, I'm on the Mets. So, <laughs> all right, so 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 let's end this week's edition of Meet the Mets uh, on some positive vibes. If you're a Mets fan, what do you have to be? Po- what's 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 keeping um, <laughs> what's keeping the pistol in the drawer this week? <laughs> oh God, let's see. That's too far. <laughs> no, um, Pete Alonso won the home run derby. <laughs> that, that's that's the only thing you have right now. And and honestly, I'll give Pete Alonso a ton of credit too, because his pitcher was throwing absolute fucking beans at him. Like no, there was nothing. Not in his as bad zone. as Chapman's though. No, that was bad. But I mean, at least Chapman had more of a connection. It was his dad. I yeah. get that whole aspect. Fucking Pete Alonso, I cousin Derek. Had, yeah, it was his second cousin, and he <laughs> does like plumbing for the city of Cleveland. Like that's the grand connection you found, Pete. Like you have no one else that could throw BP to you. I was gonna say like that's such a. It's a reach. All right, so like so in cousin Derek's defense here. Okay. <laughs> all right, I feel like 
if you're throwing BP to your second cousin, that would be the most terrifying thing on the on literally the biggest stage you'll ever be on. Like you're not running yeah. pipe. You're not running pipe for the city of Cleveland anymore, Derek. You're, yeah. you're throwing BP. You're supposed to be throwing meatballs in front of 37,000 people and not to mention the millions watching at home. Yep. Exactly. Like, I think there I think there's a lot of uh credit or that's glossed over for the for the throwers of the home run derby. Yeah, and this actually really kind of exemplified this as well because we always kind of take it for granted that these guys are just up taking sw- like swings and hacks at BP, but you can see what happens if you don't have a great BP pitcher. Like you have to and from Pete Alonso's standpoint, second cousin, cousin Derek. If cousin Derek and Pete Alonso end up failing to Vlad, does cousin Derek get the invite to Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Cousin Derek gets to wear Alonzo on his back anymore. No, I don't think so. I think Cousin Derek has to move, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's in Cleveland. He's not in New York, so. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's a <laughs> bad showing for Cleveland in the All-Star game. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, I mean, he's, Cousin Derek still did better than Carlos Santana in the Derby, so. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so with that, let's stay on All-Star weekend because we, we took an All-Star break ourselves last weekend. Um what did you think of this of the festivities as a whole? Uh, as a whole, I mean, it, it was pretty par for the course. There, was, there wasn't anything um, that I thought was dramatically different than what we're used to. But I will say from, I guess, leading up to the All-Star game, it was more exciting than the actual game. Mm, okay. Elaborate on that. I want to hear, what you, I want to hear these thoughts. I think just from the festivities, like the celebrity game, the home run derby was absolutely electric. Um, the game itself was just—I mean, it was just a game. Um, it didn't. There wasn't like a lot of big plays, or there wasn't enough yeah, it, to it, it show. Was a, like it was superstars. a very boring all-star game. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I, I think just from the standpoint of being an all-star game, like there's so many superstars. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to see like eighteen to nineteen or whatever like crazy scores like that, but I didn't expect to see four to three. Yeah, and I, I think I, I I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the game. Um, I think that even as a fan, it was a relatively like in the in the ballpark, it was a relatively boring game, and I didn't realize it till I got home. But the American League setting uh, a record for strikeouts in the All Star yeah. game, um, I, and I hate to be this guy, but like not what the fans came to see. No, especially for an all-star game. And it's almost kind of, it's an interesting parallel when you look at other all-star games. And we touched on it before our little all-star break, but, you know, the NBA all-star game, we, we trash it because it just turns into a, you know, street ball and a dunk contest. But at the same time with baseball, there's no real way you can manipulate the game to that degree because it's just a tougher game to kind of be able to show off like that. But I expected yeah. to see some more fireworks than, you know, just a, a normal Tuesday night game. Yeah, I was going to say, a Michael Brantley double, uh, a Gallo home run. Uh, didn't Blackman hit a home run as well? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those are really your only – and and the fact that we're looking at each other and going, did Blackman hit a home run? Like, yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it, it enough is. in itself to say this All-Star game kind of sucked. I think just looking at who got the MVP too is just so yeah. 
I mean, it's I, good for Shane Bieber, but it's so underwhelming as a fan just to be like, who, who the fuck is Shane Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> for I was a saying, common, Bieber, like, fair-weather fan. Bieber punched out the side, and that was pretty cool to do in front of the home fans. And, and the, like, as a Cleveland fan, like, that was freaking awesome to me. Um, but even I was, like, like, at the end of the game, when me and my buddies were walking out, and we were like, hmm, Gallo? maybe Michael Brantley, and then we got to the bar. I didn't, I didn't stay for the MVP presentation, um, but I got to the bar right across the street from Progressive after, and I looked up, and I was like, Shane Bieber. Like, yeah. awesome for the kid, but, like, Shane Bieber. Yeah, it's, I mean, good for Shane, but I I would have thought Gallo. But, hey, it's just, it's an all-star game, so um, there has to be an MVP, but... And it was cool. He struck out the side. It was a good performance. And for more on who the fuck is Shane Bieber, you can check out my piece actually on the breakdown. He was uh, the center of attention this week for my write-up on the All-Star Game MVP. Yeah, and, and that's definitely – I got a chance to read a great piece. Great Shane, uh, Justin Bieber references in there. <laughs> Love to see it. I had to. It's too easy. <laughs> it really is. So you mentioned the Celebrity Softball Game. That was, I was, again, fortunate enough to go to that event as well. Um the celebrity softball game was some of the most fun I've ever had inside Progressive Field. I can imagine. It looked amazing just from watching it. And I, I, I think the way they did it this year with the format of Cleveland versus the world is how they should format every celebrity softball game from here on out. I did like that. So that was one notable difference that I actually was on board with just for like the, the city that's hosting. They should have more to tie in the actual city uh, and just having a site to play. I did enjoy that part. I thought that was a pretty cool novelty that they added this year. I loved that. And, like, you know, the W, like, I, I wasn't a fan. The Miz went to my high school, Um, graduated a few years before me. I hated The Miz making it The Miz Show. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Um. <laughs> Let's see. So, so that's that was number one of my takeaways. Uh, Travis Hafner could probably hit a solid two twenty on the Orioles right now. Oh yeah, he's still um, built like a brick shit house. I, the first person to ever put one out of the actual stadium in the celebrity softball game. That yep. was really cool. Um, yeah. Simone Biles is an absolute liability in the outfield. <laughs> I remember you texted me that too. <laughs> oh, dude. Literally, I, we, me and my buddy looked at each other like, dude, find me a worse outfielder than Simone Biles right now. Yeah, it's tough. That was, that was a rough showing. Um, JR going shirtless was one of my favorite moments in that ballpark. Well, you knew that was going to happen too. Oh, I yeah, think you I called that too. I 100% I, I, I expected him to not even put the jersey on. Yeah, I'm surprised he came out in a jersey and then put the jersey back on after that uh, inside the Parker Little League run home while Jenny Finch is turned around moment. Yeah, no, I I remember you called that and I was like, all right, well it's coming off, and sure enough, it came off. So yeah, no, yeah to no one's surprise. And then he gets waved by the Cavs today, Monday. <laughs> yeah, he's going to the Lakers, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you just heard that giant squeak, that was the. That was the, the plastic chair I'm sitting on. Are you sure? <laughs> it sounded like Tommy's ripping ass over nope, the Hyatt. Nope, confirmed, not <laughs> ass ripper. Uh, not on the air, at least. Appreciate oh. it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, all right, so let's go to the Home Run Derby. Um, what are your thoughts 
on Yelich backing out? Um, so at first, I was a little, as just a fan wanting to see him do it, I was pissed just because I thought it was going to be awesome to see him in that type of atmosphere. But then obviously reading that, it was a back issue that forced him out. And then watching some of the swings these guys were taking, there's no way that Yelich would have been able to hold up through even one round. Just the amount of torture it does on your back, it looks like. I, I'm So I'm fine with him sitting out after watching it. While the news was breaking, I was definitely a little bit upset, uh, just as a fan, trying to watch Yelich hit some bombs. Yeah, likewise. I was more upset because I literally just finished up my betting guide that I published for the breakdown and I had Christian Yelich winning it and I'm like you got to bank on Christian Yelich he's got that nice smooth swing he's gonna and and then like oh Christian Yelich scratch I'm like well got to rewrite this shit and he's gone (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) um but no I think it was the right move uh when I saw that I thought so when I first got the news I'm like okay he's just gonna sit out all of all-star weekend probably the smart move um, but then I got the news, okay, he's playing in the All-Star game, and I was like, well, what the fuck's that about? And then I thought into it more, okay, you're taking three, maybe at a max, if you're hacking away and fouling balls off, you're taking a maximum of maybe eight swings in the All-Star game um, yeah. versus 50 minimum. 50 minimum, yeah, because I think Vlad and Jock definitely swung it more than 50 times. Yeah, with that. I mean, mean, obviously. (laughs) 91 homers, 38 swings, confirmed. How good is Vlad Jr.? Um, The 91 homers. Do you think it's fair that you can hit the most homers and still lose? Yes, I do. Okay, I I love that. I'm, I'm on board with you 100%. Yeah, because I mean it's a it's a contest, it's a it's a tournament. So if you're, I mean, great, good for him. He hit a shit ton of home runs, but I think if you take out the aspect of it being a competition and just having the most home runs, and it loses its luster, and we lose out on that amazing tiebreaker with Jock Peterson, and that's that was the whole reason why people were so into it. From that point on, it was just an electric factory. Yeah, and not only that. If if you take away the the tournament aspect of it, then we're back in the old format, which got old. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, then it just turns into batting practice essentially. Yeah, and and nobody you don't pay to watch the batting practice derby. Um, what did you think? I forget uh, which right. I think it was Bob Nightingale. Now that I'm actually saying it out loud, uh, he tweeted out that like maybe we should have a beat the shift derby or a bunt derby. The uh, the bunt derby actually would be kind of cool. The uh, Korean, have you seen the Korean I, bunt derby? I was about to say that. Oh, it's <laughs> okay. amazing! It's, now, it's amazing. In in the beat the shift derby, the I know Japanese. I've I've seen it online. It's it's some Asian baseball. They have this uh, this competition where it's there's twenty targets, probably ten feet tall. And they sit and, and they, they line the infield. Um, so it goes all the, and there's 20 of them. And you get a soft toss from, from the opposite batter's box. And you have to hit all 20. And the fastest to do it wins. And it, See, I think, it, I think it's that's electric. Cool. It is electric. I was like, we need this in the MLB now. You know why we need it is because no one could actually fucking do it in the MLB. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. Who would you put in that derby? 
I get well. Joey Gallo would have to be in that derby for sure because he gets a shift on him every time he's up to bat. Well, I'm, um, I'm saying so who would have, do it well? Who would do it well? Who would do it well? Uh, yeah, uh, I'd go Al- Altuve. Yeah. Uh, I draw Lemayhew. Lemayhew could do it. What about Pedroia? Yeah. Does he hit the opposite field at all? Oh, he's on. Uh, I don't think he has. He's on if one he, leg. Now, if he was so healthy. If he was healthy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think he has a good, like, inside-out swing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he'd be one, like, Derek Jeter would probably clean up in that competition. Yeah. Uh, that, that would have been electric in, like, the, the early 90s. Yeah. Yep. The Game of Shadows overtaking that, of course, but. Yeah, obviously. Uh, no, for sure. The Bunt, the Bunt Derby, is that, is it a Bunt Derby? I don't even know, but. It's a bunting competition. competition. Yeah. The, uh, bunting competition in. Korea, when I was watching the clips, like, first off, amazing fundamentals. So just have to say that. <laughs> Second, um, in the MLB, if that were to be part of something, like, if you did that in the MLB, I like I feel like it would be almost as engaging as a home run derby just because for comedic purposes here, because no one bunts anymore in the MLB, yeah. it would just be hilarious to see these guys trying to drop the head down and get a bunt. So, would you put guys like Billy Hamilton in it, or would you put pitchers in it? Oh, that's a good... I would put pitchers. I think I Max would Max Scherzer, number one seed. Scherzer, number one. Uh, Bumgarner would be an interesting one, because he can actually hit. But, yeah. Uh, sh- yeah, Scherzer, one, like Verlander, just get some AL pitchers in there, see how they would do. Yep. I think that would be funny. That'd be electric. I, I couldn't agree more because because Mad Bum was was campaigning to be in the home run derby, so yeah. so you know let's let him participate. Just let him make him feel wanted and make him feel included. Yeah, you know he'll grunt his way to a record-setting <laughs> amount of home runs in the in the first round before he runs out of gas. All right, can we talk about how if you put Mad Bum in the Bun Derby that he would try and park one? <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, of course he would. <laughs> Well, because he slashes all the time when he plays regulars, so, like, why not? He'll, he'll probably just deposit one right into left. <laughs> and then the bunt derby's over, and we never hear from him again. That's outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on from All-Star Weekend. Uh, we are quickly approaching the trade deadline. And, Seven, the madness has started. Yeah, it has. And today, July 15th, as we record. So this is my favorite part of the year by far, uh, just especially if you're a fan of a team that's actually in it. And I guess it goes both ways. If you want to just look at it glass half full, uh, it goes both ways. If you are supporting a very struggle, like a struggling team like the Mets, you hope that they actually trade some people this time. But um, no, this is the best time of the year just because it's nonstop news. And there's a few differences that we need to point out this year. Uh, of course, July 31st is the actual deadline. There is no waiver deadline after. Um, so August trades are now officially gone. So this makes it even more important for teams to now make these deals before the trade deadline on the 31st. So, that sucks because the Indians cleaned up on the waiver deadline. Oh my god, the Astros. Look at uh, Verlander. That was a that Oh was yeah, August. I forgot. Yeah. Yep, you are correct. That was an August deal. Um but yeah, I I like so I personally like this more. I always hated the August dead like 
the August deadline, so to speak, because mm-hmm. you're still trade. It's it's a trade. It's just you're choosing. Yeah, to put it's a waiver trade. It's, yeah. it's a yeah. So I'm glad they did it this way, and I've been waiting for years for them to get rid of that. So I'm glad it's finally now an actual trade deadline, and it's an actual fucking deadline. Because before it was like a deadline, like in college, your professor says, "Oh, the deadline for the paper is due here," and of course you're gonna not turn it in that day and have some excuse, and you'll turn it in the next day. So that's what the August deadline always felt to me. It was just a, yeah. an extension. Yeah. I think that's a good way to phrase it too. And extend, yeah, it, the college, the college example is perfect. <laughs> it, that's exactly it. Because I think we've all been there. So, um, but yeah, th- this is great, and I think it also puts the onus on teams now to act quick, right? Because 4 p.m. Eastern Time, July 31st. If you haven't pulled the trigger, that's it. So, you, if you're a team like, if you're a contender right now who needs something, like the Yankees come to mind, they need starting pitching. You can't wait till the 29th, 30th, 31st. Like, you got to pull a deal off, like, right now. You can't wait it out. This isn't going to happen anymore. I'm actually excited to see the progression of how this will play out in the next week or so. Yeah, so do you think we see some panicked moves here because yes. of the lack of the waiver deadline? Yes, and I can't wait because I think the panic moves are going to come from the sellers, not the mm. buyers. See, I, I would think the opposite. Really? Yeah. So actually, explain because I'll, I'll explain my part after. But this is interesting. So I think that like a team like the Indians is gonna, or, or you know, I think well, Oakland I see is a team that could make a panic move because I see like these guys that like they're gonna want to get a a waiver deadline player, but now that waiver deadline's not there, so it's gonna be like like two p.m. on July thirty first, and they'll be like, uh, pull the trigger because because they, they I feel like that. Uh, that grace period that they had mm-hmm. to kind of sit back and evaluate is now gone. So now they have to go out and get it, and they have to decide. They don't have those that extra two weeks or so to decide if if they can make that push or not. They have to decide early. See my point, and I actually I like that. That that makes a lot of sense from the buyer standpoint. I, I know what you're saying. My point is when you look at a seller. So I, I hate to keep using them as a punching bag, but look at the Mets, right? Zach Wheeler, probably their most obvious trade ship, goes on the DL today. Sorry, the IL. I'm going to keep doing that all season. But goes on the IL today, shoulder problems. You have to think, right when he's eligible, they're just going to deal him because they don't want to deal with another setback if he's if he comes back in 10 days. he like This is now damaged goods. So from their standpoint, it's like we had one blue chip that we could deal, and now he's hurt. So now I think they're in a position that they just want to trade him to get some pieces back. The same can be said for like the Giants with Mad Bum. Will Smith is another one. They just need pieces. Like teams like this that have no farm system are just trying to accumulate as much young talent as they can in such a short window now. I think you're going to see players get dealt for a reasonable price now. Hmm. Um, you know, we see the stories come out from the Tigers asking for the world for Matthew Boyd a couple weeks ago. Now that we're actually in the thick of it, we're halfway through the month. We have two weeks left until the deadline, almost exactly. I think you're going to start seeing asking prices go down because teams realize, teams like the Tigers, the Marlins, the Orioles, all these horrible teams need to revamp their farm system so desperately that they need young players more than other teams need their players. Because unless it's a true difference maker, which there aren't many of, I think you're going to see teams kind of panic and just pull the trigger to get something in return. Okay. So I can can wrap my head around that. So it's funny that we can both wrap our heads around the opposite 
uh, standpoint from both buyers and sellers. So maybe we just see everybody making panic moves. It could be like that too, and I think that that's what's going to be interesting because this is it's truly going to be a carousel this year, and it's not going to be oh you know the Yankees are engaged with the Indians for Bauer or whatever. It's going to be okay, so they're talking. It might go down right now, and we've already don't seen a couple that. deals. Don't say well, that. It, it, don't say that. No, don't say that. <laughs> Fine, Stroman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. I uh, I won't speak the other man's name because I can tell it's a sore spot for you. <laughs> but as an example, though, I, I no, think you're right. It's just one of those things where all right, if they're in talks, the, the deal is probably going to happen because I don't think people are going to pussyfoot around this anymore. I think it's if we if we want someone, we need them because we have literally 14 days to do it. Yeah, and and like like we both said, it's going to be so much fun to watch here. Oh, uh, yeah. we've we've already had a couple go down. Uh, Homer Bailey headed to Oakland. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move? My uh, initial reaction, just like right there, didn't say it enough. Uh, yeah. This, <laughs> this is the big domino to fall for the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Homer Bailey is just not. Does this a very... make Oakland buyers? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the Billy Bean move to a T. This is not a good move, but this is, you know, it adds a body. And they didn't give up much. So, uh, Homer Bailey, not a good pitcher. I think most of us that pay close attention to baseball realize Homer Bailey's not very good. Uh, with a name like Homer, you just kind of set yourself up to get fucked every time you take the mound. <laughs> so, <laughs> good luck in Oakland. He has a bigger field now to work with. But uh, this is as uninspiring as a move as I think you'll see the whole deadline. Yeah. Um, the day before that, though, the Red Sox go out and get Andrew Kashner from the Orioles. I like this move a lot for the, o- for the for the Sox. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I like it for the O's, too. And this is just typical Dombrowski, and we'll have to see how it plays out. The guy, he gave up two 17-year-old kids in the minors, so we really don't know what their pedigree is at all. Uh, so that's why it's very interesting to see how this kind of plays out later on. But for the right now, the Kashner move, it makes sense for the Red Sox. They have, they just need arms. Whether it's bullpen or starting pitching, they need to do something to plug a hole. And Kashner's actually not having a bad year this year. No, not at all. Um, you know, you mentioned that, what, do you, what are your thoughts on giving away young prospects like that? Well, that's the thing. It's we never really know. And Dombrowski did this again. Um, I believe he was the one that brought Pomeranz over. And yeah. he, they traded an 18-year-old or 19-year-old pitcher. And you know, it's we, again, we don't really know yet. But they're high. They're regarded enough to be in a major league True. system. True. So that's one thing you have to look at. And, again, it's going to be seven years before we look back and say, was that the right move? But I think if you're Dombrowski in the Sox, you just got a World Series title last year. Your team obviously has been underperforming all season, and it's tied directly to their pitching, whether it's the bullpen, which we can harp on for days, or just the starting rotation not performing up to expectations. You needed to make a move to show the fans that you're serious about trying to contend. The problem the Red Sox have is their farm system. They don't have a lot to deal from. So this is kind of the move that they're forced to make. So it's a risky move, and I personally don't have too much of a problem with it because it's just, it, it takes too long to make a judgment on it sometimes. So in the right now, where you're trying to win now, I get it. But again, if these kids turn out to be superstars, which who knows, it could look pretty ugly on his resume. Yeah. 
Um, so let's. So we talked about the two trades completed. Let's talk about some of the names going around. Um, let's just play. Uh, throw out the name. Does he stay or does he go? And and we'll give a couple options of where he could go. Sound good? I like it. All right. Let's start with Madison Bumgarner. Does he stay or does he go? Madison Butt Pussy. He <laughs> will go. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He's going. Um, I. I saw some reports today that the Braves are interested in him. Um, I also see the Yankees tied to him for some reason after the Yankees continuously keep saying no. I think he's going to end up in the Twins organization, though. And, and Oh, gosh. So I think that's going to happen. And I think the Giants are going to try to trade him and Will Smith in a package. Both of them are coming off expiring deals. And both of them have good track records. Will Smith might be even more coveted than Madison Bumgarner at this point, just because of the numbers he's put up this year. Hmm. But I, th- I think both of them will be traded in a package. I don't think the return is going to be as great or grand as Giants fans expect because of the contract situation here. That's interesting. So I think, uh, I think Mad Bum stays. Okay. Because I don't think the Giants will be able to get the haul, like you said, that they want to get in return for it. I, don't, I think they're going to look at it and go, yeah, the asking price isn't right. We'll sit tight and we'll, we'll burn him, so see, to speak. I, I see what you're saying, but it goes back to my point earlier where I, I personally believe, like, the Giants, if you look at their farm system, it ranks in the bottom third. They need to make a move. Mm, that's just true. To, they just need prospects at this point because that's they're true. not they're not going anywhere. Their team is very old, uh, so they need anything they can just to revamp what they have down there in San Francisco. I'm gonna say anywhere but Minnesota if I'm gonna hop on him getting getting traded. Anywhere <laughs> but Minnesota. So maybe it will be Atlanta, and they'll answer. <laughs> no, I, I I did see the Braves thrown around in there, uh, but man, he'd be a good fit in Minnesota. And he'd be a good, uh, good, good arm to help them push and and keep off the tribe. Um, so, speaking of the tribe, Trevor Bauer, stay or go? Whew, well, you know, I mean, I had a forging slip, so I think he's going. No, good. And I, yeah, honestly, you can go for it. You can, you can go ahead and lay it on. All right, I think he's going to the Yankees, and I really think it's going to happen because to and I'll. This is going to be a nice little breakdown for you so keep you at ease i think that the indians have enough in their farm system and they have enough pitching prospects where they can afford to lose bauer because he's getting more and more expensive through arbitration and i think because i know the indians don't want to pay any players so i think at this point at this junction i think bauer makes a lot of sense to move because if you can get an impact bat coming back to cleveland and coming back in the sense of clint frazier coming back twice now i think if he's involved in that deal, you add in another pitcher from the Yankees farm system, that's a good enough deal to get Bauer. And I just I can't see the Indians saying no because they need offense so bad. They're in striking distance in that division. Losing Bauer, yes, would be a huge blow to the team now, but they have enough depth in that rotation that they can actually work around that. So they're not in a dire need to keep him, but they don't have to trade him. I think they will, though, if the Yankees can give them a decent enough offer. Yeah, uh, as much as I don't want to agree with you, I do. Um, and I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> so let me ask you this, all right? As a Yankees fan um, and seeing more of Clint Frazier in the big leagues than, than we have, um, 
is, is we you know we've talked at length about his his struggles his his maybe immaturity is he worth the the stress not in new york but i think in a smaller market like a cleveland or just anywhere but new york really i mm, i think okay. i think honestly playing for the yankees got, gets to him um and i think it's just too big of a stage he's under a microscope so all the Instagram shit, you know, him trying to look for shoes when he's on road trips, all that shit aside, the guy can still hit. He's, he rakes when he gets up to the bat. Uh, he can't field. We know that. But the Indians don't have a log jam in their lineup where they have to have a DH every day as a constant. They can move things around. And it's yeah. not to say that Frazier can't play the outfield. Preferably, you just have him DH. And I think the Indians are a prime spot for him to be able to do that. And I think it's a kind of it would be a cool homecoming in a sense for him to come back to the organization that took him, and yeah. you know be able to kind of blossom because I mean he's still only 24 years old and he's shown he has really good bat speed, uh, strong hands. He can hit the ball everywhere in the field. I just think he needs to change the scenery. The problem with that, and you mentioned the Indians DH right now, is the Indians that like Carlos Santana has turned into a bona fide force in the Indians lineup right now. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to develop Bobby Bradley, who was just called up from AAA uh, a week or so ago, or I'm sorry, about a month or so ago. Um, and he's hitting, I think, 265 right now. Uh, he just hit his first career home run the other day, and it was the fifth hardest hit home run, or first home run of someone's career. Oh, really? At a, at a 113.9 exit velo. That's, uh, that's a pretty good stat. Yeah. So they're trying to bring him along, and and we've again discussed at length that Clint Frazier isn't not a good outfielder, right? And that's so. the problem. So, and, and that's really where the, his value to the Yankees diminished more than he, you know mo- most people actually realize because he's not going to get every day at bats in New York, and he kind of sunk his own value by not playing well in the field. Yeah. Uh, to other teams but I think the Indians have enough around that team where they can plug and play him and see what works and I think to your point um, developing players and whatnot but he'd be able to fit right in and I think he could give you some innings in the field but obviously he's more suited as a DH but I feel like they could plug him in as a DH and actually move some things around in the field because they are a good fielding team still so it yeah. wouldn't sacrifice that much to do it it would just be you know a different looking lineup Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you about the Indians pitching. We have we have plenty of depth to be able to survive there. Uh, what about a name like Scooter Jeanette? Jeanette's a weird one because if I were the Reds, I'd be trying to trade uh, Derek Dietrich. But again, it's I think really... Dietrich's the guy they want long term, though. See, I I get that because they signed him for the minimum um, in spring training, so I. I understand the thinking, but I, I also think, uh, and I'm not a scout, but I, I know Dietrich is not like a household name, and I know this is a breakout year for him, but if I'm in the Reds, I don't know if I can count on him to deliver this year in, year out. That's Jeanette, true. You know, Jeanette, on the other hand, has shown that he can do this consistently. I know he's had the injury this year, but I would rather keep Jeanette, and I think Dietrich could probably get you a similar package just based on how teams are valuing Jeanette this year with the injury. You're looking at a similar value placement right now. If I'm, you know, looking at it from just what this year has given me, Dietrich obviously would get you more right now. 
I wouldn't want to sell low on a guy like Jeanette, who I think is still a really good hitter, but I'd definitely sell high on a guy like Dietrich, where he might not be in my plans down the line, even though he comes cheap. I'd like to get something in return for him now. I like that. I like that a lot. So, I'm, I, I honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing, because Dietrich is, plays, he's pretty much, he's all over the place, right? Yeah. He's been, I mean, that's he's been a, pretty he's versatile. Yeah. Yeah. Second base, left field, third base. If the Indians, I wouldn't mind the Indians making a move for Dietrich. Bring him home. Ooh, he's he's yeah. a Cleveland boy. Is he? Mm-hmm. Went to San right. Ignatius High School. Okay. Um, ironically enough, uh, we uh, I I knew of him in high school, um, and he had MLB one day on his license plate, and everybody was just like, "All right, like up yours, guy." And then you know he showed us. <laughs> <laughs> he showed us. <laughs> now you want him coming home? Exactly. Hey, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right. How about my nemesis, Marcus Stroman? Uh, Strom is getting dealt. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's, yeah. it's actually, it's funny, I think it's the same exact type of package where if Stroman gets dealt, they're going, they want Giles in that deal as well to maximize the return. Um, but it's a little different in the sense that Stroman and Giles both have an extra year under control through 2020. So the package that you're going to see for those two guys is going to be a lot bigger than Mad Bum and Will Smith. So I see the Twins Who do you see being out. OEK, yeah. Oh no! Yeah, no. The twins. I, I I keep reading the twins. The twins. The twins want Stroman. Uh, I saw the Yankees wanted him. I don't think the Yankees want to pay the price that the Blue Jays would ask because in you know inside that division the Blue Jays are going to try to just bend the Yankees over a barrel. Oh yeah. But I can see the twins. They have a pretty deep farm system right now. They'd have to give up a lot, but they wouldn't have to give up their top prospect. I don't think. And I think if they waited out another week, I potentially see Stroman going to the Twins as, as early as next week. Um, again, the Blue Jays have dire need of just making anything work in that farm system. It'll be interesting to see if they match up with any of these teams because I don't think that there's any big-name minor leaguers whose father played in the MLB. So we'll see what <laughs> kind of value they place on these guys in the Twins organization. But uh, I think he'll go to the Twins. I don't think there's any other team really that's actually in the running right now. The Yankees as a sleeper pick, but uh, I'm not what buying that. What about the that. Braves as a sleeper pick? The Braves are interesting, but <clears throat> I just don't think that the Braves want to do... I don't think they want to commit an extra. I think they're more in the market for a rental right now, to be honest. Mm, I don't okay. think they want two years of Marcus Stroman because he's kind of in. I see a very similar pitcher to what they already have in Tehran, a sinker baller guy, pitches to contact. You know, he's not going to blow you away. They have mm-hmm. that already. So I don't think they want a redundancy in that rotation. I think they're trying to build around um, Soroka and obviously Keichel now. They're trying to build more or less around like a strikeout type of pitcher. Um, I don't think you need two guys that are just sinker ballers like Tehran they already have, and I don't think they want to give up a premium to get another guy like that. What about if you split that deal and just went Ken Giles? Who do you think? Because one team that jumps out for for Giles to me that would be a good fit would be the Dodgers. Yeah, I think the Giles to the Dodgers would be really interesting. Just, and I mean, you can never have enough high leverage arms in a bullpen. And we've seen that time and time again when it comes to the playoffs. The Royals obviously revolutionized that idea, mm-hmm. but it's the really Indians followed suit. It, but it's okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I just gotta throw, I, I gotta get it out there. I gotta yep. I gotta taste the little bit of success that I've had. Yep. Not Fair all enough. of us have twenty seven rings. Yeah, I mean, I don't have twenty seven rings. I've only seen a few of them, but um, <laughs> you've seen a few more than me. That's true. That's very true. But yeah, no, I think Giles to the Dodgers would fit really well. Uh, Jansen struggled a little bit this year. They don't really have another guy that they can pitch to get to him. Joe Kelly's been a fucking disaster. Um, mm-hmm. I think Giles fits in perfectly in like a seventh or eighth inning role, or kind of like that emergency pitcher that we see so often now with like the haters the brad hands um andrew millers like things like that nature where you can kind of put them in any high leverage situation and they'll probably be good for it all right um let's go back to meet the mets here um (laughs) the mets the the names that they float out on the table they sounded so smart you float noah Syndergaard. you float all these names out there, and then you quickly take them off the table. And then Zach Wheeler gets hurt. Yeah. No, this is the Mets. I mean, are you, are you surprised? I, just, I don't want to be surprised. That, I but mean, here I am speechless. This is the thing, though. This is, So it, I, it really doesn't matter who's the GM for the Mets. I think, honestly, it's the Wilpons doing this because last year was a prime example of how they missed an opportunity. They really should have traded Jacob DeGrom last year. They should have traded Noah Syndergaard last year. His value was at an all-time high last year. They probably could have traded someone else in that on that team, but here we are, and it's just kind of sad now. Uh, Wheeler, who's like their big piece, he's a rental. Uh, everyone knows that the Mets are trying to unload him. His numbers aren't great, the Red Sox had a lot of interest in him prior to him getting hurt. I doubt that's the case now. Them having just traded to get Kashner and their farm system being depleted as it is. So that's probably not a match anymore. Like I just I don't think there's another team that really matches up for Zach Wheeler's services. And he's just really just a pedestrian pitcher. Um, I mean, just looking at his numbers, there's nothing that he's doing exceptionally well. To me, he reminds me of like Jay Happ last year where, I mean, he's all right. He's had a decent season. He's pitching to a mid-four ERA, but someone's going to need him for another arm in the rotation. But I, I'm just not sold on him being a blue-chip trade piece anymore. Well, in, in addition to um, the uh, just the averageness of his pitching, according to Jeff Passan, with, with Wheeler hitting the IL with shoulder fatigue, it more or less destroys his trade value, according to Passan. Yeah, no, it's uh, this actually really does kind of destroy it because anytime a pitcher has an arm injury, um, I mean, it's like no yeah, it makes pay, sense. Yeah, no one's gonna pay top dollar for a guy that can't throw a baseball. So, and when your position is to throw a fucking baseball, so um, yeah, this is a tough blow to the Mets as if they needed any more bad news. So that's that's a rough run. Um, I touched on it a little bit during that spiel about Wheeler, but. The big trade ship they still have is Noah Syndergaard. So that's the issue that they still have with Syndergaard and trying to figure out what to do with him. The problem is that they kind of, like Van Wengenen kind of said, he's off the table, and that's a big problem. Yeah, so again, I don't understand. uh, I'm just going to call him Brody because I don't want to keep saying his last name because I don't know how to say it. Likewise. Yeah, so I don't think Brody is good at his job 
That's just poor posturing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, everyone knows the guy is probably available for the right price, right? Uh, He's uh, even Jacob DeGrom. I read a font like a piece today saying the Mets should still try to trade Jacob DeGrom because they're paying this guy all this money. They're not a contender right now. There's no reason for him to waste away on that team. They need to get more bodies in that farm system and they need to get more elite prospects because they traded most of them away to get Robinson Cano and Adam Diaz. So those worked out. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's another story for a different time, but did you see the stat? And I'm sorry to cut you off a little bit. There was a stat that came out that I saw and it was like Robinson Cano, like in terms of per at bat has been less of a force than Mets pitchers this year. Oh, it was like uh, Cano has a homer every 63 at bats and is hitting whatever he's hitting in that uh, in that sp- in, in the stretch. And Mets pitchers are hitting like 30 points higher and <laughs> have a home run every 39 at bats. Oh my god! So, yeah, I mean, look at Edwin Diaz too. If you want to talk about the wheels falling off, yeah. this is a guy that had over 50 saves last year was one of the best pitchers in the American League, reliever or starter, goes to the Mets and completely falls apart. Like, only the Mets could make a deal only, like this. Only the Mets. Just only the Mets can make Edwin Diaz look like a Little League pitcher and Robinson Cano look like he's 50. Like, just... And that was Meet the Mets Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> but to Thor, uh, I think, I think honestly, that he's on the table. I know the Mets tonight, there was a lot of news that they sent... Uh, a few scouts over to the Yankees AAA game with their top pitching pitching prospect making his AAA debut, uh, Davey Garcia. So I think it's a long shot for Syndergaard to be traded in general, and I think it's an even longer shot to assume that he's going to get traded to the Yankees. But that's the news we have to go on today. Again, we'll see what happens, but I think he stays put just because of the incompetence of Brody. And I think that the Mets honestly might just stand pat the biggest deal that I think they could make is trading like Todd Frazier or Jason Vargas, and that's underwhelming. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is underwhelming. Uh, what other names jump off the table to you? Uh, we talked about Will Smith, but Robbie Ray as another left-handed pitcher right now for the Diamondbacks. I've been seeing that the Astros are interested, the Phillies are interested. If Robbie Ray gets out of Arizona, where it's definitely hitter friendly if he goes to a team like the astros where he gets some run support um he'd be playing on a contender like a super contender i know the diamondbacks are technically in contention but everyone in the national league is so that doesn't really hold much water with me and then you add into that how the astros have been able to find the fountain of youth in all their pitchers yeah and ray's still pretty young he's had some good peripheral numbers he has really good stuff a lefty and that rotation would only help them more. Um, again, you know, the Astros right now might have some issues with Brad Peacock going to get an MRI in his shoulder. So we'll have to wait and see there, but this might have them kind of speed up the process and trying to get a guy like Ray who might come a little bit cheaper because his numbers haven't been great this year. But we also know that the Diamondbacks aren't actively looking to move him, but they're definitely listening on him. So it just goes to show that, Ray is available, people are listening, and I think he will get traded to the Astros. Hmm. What do you think? All right, um, let's give, give, let's wrap up trade talk with this. Give me one buyer and one seller. 
Um, I'll start off. I'll start off. I think the the Blue Jays as a whole are going to be sellers. I think yes. they make multiple deals to multiple teams and just blow. They just punt on 2018 and they restock the farm and uh, just go from there. Uh, so that's my like seller. Um, my buyer. I think I'm going to go with the Yankees. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the Yankees and, and just feel confident that, that they'll just find a way to go get an elite arm, whether it's Bauer, whether it's uh, potentially a Stroman or or whomever. I think the Yankees will be buyers. Yeah, I like that. I think for sellers right now, um, I'm actually looking at the Orioles as just blowing everything up that they can right now. Um, they don't have many good trade pieces, but they have pieces nonetheless. I think they're just going to be, to your point, just punt on this season, um, probably next season too in the grand scheme of things, if we're being honest, and just try to really revitalize that farm system from the ground level. Uh, for buyers, I like the Brewers. I, the Brewers have a deep farm system. We've talked about their offensive struggles time and time again, but they also have some issues and holes that they need to fill in that bullpen to get to Hater. So I think they're going to make a few different moves. I've seen them as potential teams interested in Will Smith from the Giants. I could see them being interested in a guy like Mad Bum. Um, as for hitters, hmm. I can see them being interested in a guy like Domingo Santana from the Mariners. If he becomes available, get some more power in that outfield. Another guy to help Christian Yelich, give him some protection in that lineup. I think the Brewers are going to make a few moves here. And I think they kind of have to uh, if they want to catch, not catch the Cubs, if they want to be in a position to win that division come the end of September and make a run of this thing in the postseason. They need to make a few moves. I like that a lot. All right, transitioning off trades, it is the second half of the season, which means the Atlantic League <laughs> has implemented their unbelievably wild rule changes. Um, so we'll start with probably the craziest one of all time, is now in the Atlantic League, you are, you know, as the old saying goes, you can't steal first base. Not anymore. Wrong. Not anymore. <laughs> in the Atlantic League, as a hitter, if a ball is thrown to the backstop or goes wild from the catcher, you can now steal first base. We saw it happen the first uh, for the first time the other night as I don't know what the city name, but I know the team names, the Blue Crabs, yeah. uh, had it happen. And just a weird-looking play. Yeah, it's strange. This is, I mean, I think it's a cool concept for the American League, or sorry, the Atlantic League to try out some different rule changes where obviously this isn't impacting like any MLB-affiliated teams. Um, so this is a good testing ground for it. I, however, am not a huge fan of some of these stealing first base I'm actually okay with. I think if you are... Oh, you're okay with stealing first base. I'm okay with this one, as opposed to some of the other ones. I think this one's okay, because I think this actually penalizes the pitcher and the catcher for not doing the simplest of tasks, which is throwing and receiving the ball. Um, I think if there's a wild pitch, you should pay for it, regardless if there's a man on or not. And if you're a hitter and you have... If you're feeling frisky and you got some absolute watermelons between your legs and you feel like you can take first base on a pass ball, more power to you. Because if you can make that play, then I think that you deserve to make that play. That's true. Hmm. 
I like it. I, I, I like the concept of it probably more than I like the execution of it, though. Right, and it's it's gonna look weird, obviously, because we just don't see it. So, regardless of how you how you cut it up, it's just it's gonna look weird seeing a guy just you know book it out of the batter's box on a pass ball. So, I think the execution to your point is definitely gonna be strange, but I like the idea of it, knowing that you're actually now penalizing pitchers and catchers for not doing their job. The problem that I had with it was um, when you saw it happen in the video is courtesy of of SOMD Blue Crabs on Twitter. I believe it's the South Maryland Blue Crabs. Um, The catcher, like, just out of habit, sees a ball to the backstop with nobody out or with nobody on and just reaches back to get the ball and then – or reaches it back to get a ball from the umpire and then, oh, shit, the guy's running first. Like – it was it was just bizarre. Yeah, no. I and I think I think getting a getting a catcher to to realize, oh shit, I need that, is well, going to be down, the, the hardest part of it. That that comes down to the whole execution of it, right? Because obviously the players aren't really used to it, so there's going to be some mental lapses here and there. Yeah, um, unforced errors. But I think if it happens enough with some regularity, and we start to see the games become more exciting because we we don't see stolen bases as it is anyway. So I think seeing a guy steal first like that would be kind of cool as a fan. Um, again, to your point, though, the execution is going to lack, and it's just a growing process right now, so we have to see how it works out. Uh, change number two, uh, the biggest one, is robotic umps. So an ump will sit uh, behind the plate still with an Apple EarPod in his ear where a uh, Doppler radar tracks the pitch into the strike zone and then it is radioed to the ump who calls ball or strike this one i hate i hate this with a passion this is just i did not expect this out of you i I really hate this one because i i I think as just a baseball purist here i mean what's what's the point of having the ump there if we're letting you know machine learning and ai kind of take over how the game's dictated now right this is the one thing where i think you need to have human intervention because whether you're a fan of the call or not a fan of the call it's a human mistake and everyone goes through the same thing and it can happen at any time and that's the unpredictability about it having it just lined up as like a robot calling balls and strikes i fucking hate that idea because now you take away the human aspect of the game and now it's like a computer simulation. Hmm, that's true. That's true. I I still, I feel like, like I, I saw a video of the guy stealing first base. I didn't see video of the balls and strikes, but I don't know. I don't know if I hate this or not. I really don't know. The, again, the concept of it seems weird to me, but at the end of the day, isn't it about getting the call right? Yeah, yeah, so... I agree that the call should be right, but I also am just, I'm torn because as much as I hate watching Angel Hernandez make shitty calls, I also kind of respect the fact that he has the platform to make the, I don't want to say shitty mm, calls. That's but fair. No, that's you, fair. You know, it's just. You, you and just, yes, it is shitty calls. Yeah, they're, they're shitty calls. Yeah, but Ron Culpa actually absolutely abuses the strike zone on a nightly blight basis. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely umps that are better than others, but it also kind of helps game plan, right? It it gives you True. a different way to prepare for a game when you're a manager or a pitcher or a catcher, understanding what the strike zone is. If it's just a standard approach, one size fits all, I think it actually benefits the hitters more than the pitchers. Because yeah. you know now the hitters actually understand where the strike zone is, mm-hmm. and it's going to be consistent, and they can just load up 
and we're going to see even more runs. I think yeah. is that Leafs gives it some unpredictability when you have a human behind the plate making these judgment calls. I like that. Okay. Um, next one, no shifts. Uh, by the time the ball is released by the pitcher, two infielders have to be on both sides of second base. This one's, I'm, I'm fine with this one. This is, you are. Yeah, I, I fucking hate shifts. So hmm. I'm actually see, okay. See, I, I don't like this. I think it's, it's like telling a defense they can't blitz in football. Like, Ooh, I didn't think of that. It's, it's, a, it's a, sh- a shift is part of the game. If if you can't beat my defense, you shouldn't. You aren't good enough to play. All right, I think I might walk the dog back on that one because now I'm actually thinking about it more. I think you. That's might my have that's my favorite. That's my favorite example for yeah. for no shifts. That's actually a good one. You, you know what? You swayed me right there. So I I'm, I agree with you now. All right, I want to know your take on this one. No mound visits. So the only way a player or manager can go to the mound is for an injury or a substitution. So catcher can't go out there and calm him down. Oof. Pitching coach can't go out there and calm him down. None. We go from one inning to five to zero to six to five to zero. Whew. Let's see. This one I am not a fan of because me neither. I think I, especially in the majors where like Gary Sanchez was probably the reason we had to put an actual count on how many mound visits catchers have. Jan <laughs> um, yeah, Gomes helped it out, too. Yeah, I think this one's weird. I, I feel like as a pitcher, you need you need to have dialogue with your catcher and your manager, your pitching coach, um, especially in big moments in the game. You're essentially saying that it, it's not even... Yeah, I mean, the pitch... What good is a manager or a catcher now if the pitcher yeah. can't even communicate? So I would say, like, like, like we talk about catcher's value going beyond uh the 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 numbers like I know Jan Gomes was one with Cleveland that he he was exceptional at controlling the pitching staff yeah and now we're just taking that out of baseball yeah that's uh I don't like that and if you think about it this it's almost like to for another football analogy it's like Jared Goff going to the line without having Sean McVay in his ear yeah it's it's essentially the same thing. You're you're losing that collaboration with the catcher because catchers and pitchers work so closely together that the catcher is the one calling the game. So if the pitcher doesn't like what the catcher is putting down or vice versa, and you can't get on the same page, then mm-hmm. talk about shortening the game. This is how you expand the game now because you're taking more time, you're taking time off pitches, you're getting different signs. So this one doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, agreed. Uh, in 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 a hundred percent. Um. Speaking of shortening the game, time between innings shortened from 2.05 to 1.45. Any care there? Nah, that one doesn't matter to me. Yeah, same. <laughs> That's um, one. The three three batter minimum, which we're going to see in Major League Baseball next year, goes into effect here in the Atlantic League in the second half. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I really hate this. this me is, too. I mean, especially for a team. Like, we talk about rallies and all that shit. Um Especially in like a close game, when a game that means something in the playoffs, you're telling me that if I'm down by a certain amount of runs going into like the eighth or like the seventh or eighth, or you know, I need a certain amount of runs to get back, and I only have three batters to do it. So, what now? I have to rely on the long ball three times. Like I. Well, no, 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 no. A three batter minimum for pitchers that come in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, this one still irks me because now. You, you lose the lefty specialist. You lose, like, yeah. those those emergency pitchers. You lo- Like, Andrew Miller's value diminishes 
by mm-hmm. tenfold. Now we're asking, like, Adam Ottavino is another example. Like, comes in in the sixth sometimes just to face one righty batter. To get yeah, the back super to... reliever is dead now. Yeah, so now you're essentially taking out one of the biggest value adds in a bullpen, and you're relegating them to, you know, just another regular pitcher. So it, it kills you in matchups. As a manager, it doesn't allow you to actually manage your team. Um, so Dallas Braden put this in a really funny way to me. It's like, imagine you're up by two in the in the bottom of the eighth, and and you go get a guy out of the pen, and first guy he faces he gives up a bomb, next guy doubles, guess whose hamstring just fucking started hurting? Oh yeah, yep. Like he can be removed for the injury or due to injury, but like, man, there's no way I'm trotting that guy out again, and yeah. like, like. If you just don't have it, now you have to gut through three batters. Uh, eh, I don't. I don't, I don't like, like it. it. I don't like, I don't like it. it. Um, another throwaway one: bases are wider by three inches, going from fifteen inches to eighteen inches. Big fucking uh, deal. Yeah, they're a grower, not a shower. So. Yeah. Um, I had seen, and the Atlantic League didn't list it, but I had seen it. Uh, or in their press release of rule changes, but I had seen it before that they moved the mound back from 60 to 62 feet. I'm not, I don't have that one confirmed, yeah, but I had seen that. that. What are your thoughts there? Um, I mean, I don't know what two feet's going to do to, I think, honestly, it would help the pitcher for breaking balls. Uh, yeah, but the, the fastball is going to go from 99 is going to start looking like 94. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, you might be onto something there. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, you mentioned the breaking balls. That's the it kind of evens out there. It It'll be interesting in to sense, see. Yeah, it evens out in the sense that it has more, more uh, distance where it can travel to get the break. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's that's a weird one. I think sixty is a perfect length right now. I don't think yeah, it's sixty-two. Agreed. I think that, that's a weird number. Agreed. Um, one foul bunt is now allowed with two strikes. It's like wiffle ball rules to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I kind of agree more with that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, it is what it is. I, I'm. I'm actually okay with that one. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> that yeah, that's one I don't give a shit. But like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, the pitcher. Or I'm sorry. Well, there's two. The the check swing rule is now more hitter friendly, mm-hmm. and that's all they said about it. <laughs> Does that mean like if I if I view that you checked your swing, it's not a swing? Regardless of how far you went, it's like, like asking if the ball is juiced. Yeah, we don't know. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally all they said. Because I've I've looked in like four different places, and it's like check swing rule is now more hitter friendly. Eh. You want to elaborate that on a touch? Like maybe. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> all right, and lastly, the pitcher now has to step off of the rubber to pick off. So all the quick moves, the the spin off at second base, and the lefties picking over is now obsolete in the Atlantic League. Yeah, I don't like that one. I don't like it. I, I think pickoffs are a part of the game. If a pitcher, first of all, if a pitcher can can get you on a spin-off move, on an inside move, you're probably a bad base runner to begin with. That, and just imagine how different Andy Pettit's career would have been if he, if he oh had my gosh. to step off the rubber. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was so, that was his whole thing. He held runners because of his pickoff move. Yeah. Um. This makes John Le- John Lester the most lethal pitcher in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Oh, boy. Um, all right. As a whole, these rule changes, general thoughts, what do you think? I'm not a huge fan of most of them. Uh, I do like stealing first base. That one I'm actually okay with. Um, yeah. I, I was in favor of the no shifts until you swayed me. The three batter minimum, not a huge fan. Robo, I fucking hate robo umps. Get that shit out of my face. That's like Skynet taking over baseball. Get that out of my <laughs> face. Um, no mound visit. Like most of these rules here, it's almost like it's like backyard baseball rules being made up on the fly. I don't think yeah. they thought about it too much. Um, even like the bases being three inches wider, like. Can you explain? I just want to know why. I want to know why. Yeah, like I, I need to know what the fallout is. Like why things are the way they are in this proposal. Aside from maybe, like the time between innings, I get to shorten the game, but like nothing. I'm here. fine. I'm fine with the time between innings. Um, I can honestly say I've been around the game of baseball a long time. I've heard a lot of complaints about it. I've yeah. never heard somebody go, "Look at the bases. They're so thin." <laughs> like uh, yeah no yeah i don't think an extra three inches is going to dramatically change the way people run the bases or cover the bases uh three inches won't change the game that's what she said hey um. Jesus just the tip just for a second just to see how it feels <laughs> <laughs> all right now before we get too far off the rails let's get to our curtain calls um so i'm gonna lead off Stealing first will be in Major League Baseball by 2024. Oof. I see. I it like is, that. I wish it would it actually happen sooner. It's a hot take. It's going to take a while to catch on. Um, and the people that I've seen, I've, I've seen such mixed reviews about it, and both sides are so intense about their stance. No one is meh on stealing first. Hmm. Okay. So I think it's going to take some time, but I think it'll be in Major League Baseball by, by 2024. I wish it was in Major League Baseball by 2020, to be honest. I think that's fucking awesome. But um, I'm all for stealing first. I think that's awesome. But my curtain call, I'm going to be bold with this one. And we talked about it as being unlikely. But I think if the stars align in the way the Mets have been just so stupid this whole season, they'll trade Noah Syndergaard to the Yankees for Davey Garcia by Ooh. the 31st. Hmm. And you'll I... have to cut those voluptuous blonde locks, though, and that's going to be <laughs> that's gonna be tough oh. to see. Just for that, I hope that doesn't happen, although that'd be fun <laughs> to see. But, like, whew. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one drawback of him wearing pinstripes. Yeah. Like that's like we talked about Keuchel and pinstripes potentially. Yeah. Before before it happened uh, to to Dallas or uh, Atlanta, not Dallas. Wow. Um, I don't even know where that came from. Yeah, his name. <laughs> what? Well, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but <laughs> I I don't get it. Well, I think either way, I if he ha- if he goes to New York, he'll have to sh- to shave his weird blonde puby beard and he'll have to cut the lock so yeah he'll look a lot different for sure yeah um so any final thoughts here as we wrap up final thoughts stealing first is cool robo umps fucking suck don't ever do that stealing first is cool robo umps drool 
<laughs> we should make that a tea for the store. I think so. Uh, yeah, be sure to check out the the breakdown store on T Public. Uh, we have some original artwork on there, and also there's a ton, a ton of awesome artwork from awesome individuals. Uh, we get a portion of the sales, and uh, they're just dope shirts. Um, and, and there's some for every fan base from other artists. Um, did you did you you grab on any yet? I did, yeah. Grab the uh, the chaw dogs and got a little breakdown Classic. tea. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, wait in the mail now, but. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to support us, support some local artists, independent artists, and, you know, helps us grow the brand, helps Tommy and I keep giving you great content like this. Speaking of growing the brand, if you're like me and you're tired of playing season-long fantasy after being married by injuries in the first month, be sure to check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a new prop bet-based daily fantasy lineup game, and the concept's really simple. Choose an over-under for a player's given stats. Think like Noah Syndergaard's uh, earned runs, or who else have we talked about on the show? Joey Gallo's runs plus RBIs. And you, your job is to combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night. If you do, you cash in. Thrive Fantasy is located in the Apple and Google Play Store. And for the month of July, receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. So whether you're looking to play $2 games, $5 games, $20 games, or $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a game for you. Use our code BREAKDOWN. That's B-R-K-D-W-N. And receive $10 free dollars when you just deposit $10 through PayPal in the month of July. And Thrive Fantasy, I play it all the time. Prop up with us. Uh, seven. It's been a fun episode, man. So be sure to check out uh, T Public, check out Thrive Fantasy, and check out Trevor Bauer not getting traded to the Yankees. <laughs> seven. We will catch you guys next week from the Hyatt Regency in this lime-looking chair next to the men's room. I am out. I got no rules, I count them.